you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. The show that Charles Woodson once said was the most important thing to happen to Michigan sports since himself. Okay, I'm lying. He didn't say that. Charles Woodson has probably never listened to the show. But nevertheless, we are here on the BHB pod. My name is Michael Smeltzer, and we are here to talk about Michigan football and Michigan basketball. Uh, Football, you might ask. Yes, it is the offseason. Basketball, you might ask. Yes, the team does kind of stink right now. But the real Maize and Blue fans will continue. We will dissect what's going on. Uh, we will look at some recruiting news that's going on in the football offseason. And of course, there's always a little bit of controversy swirling around the Michigan Wolverines. So I'm here to talk about all of that with you. And we can take a look at what's been going on the last couple of weeks. If you're just now tuning in for the first time, definitely scroll back uh, and, and check out some former episodes. Last week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Stu Douglas, a Michigan basketball legend. And Stu had some very astute observations about the Michigan team, the current Michigan team, uh, told some really cool stories about John Beeline and Zach Novak. And so definitely when you get done listening to this episode, go back and listen to Stu because that's a pretty cool one. Uh, But we've got a great agenda for you today. Um, I'm flying solo today, and I'm I'm happy to be flying solo so I can just talk and talk and talk because that's what I do when it comes to Michigan sports. Let's jump right in. I am recording this episode on the heels of another miserable Michigan basketball loss. It looked like we were going to hang with the Nittany Lions early. But that did not happen, and we ultimately fell to them by 22 points. Uh, Late in the first half, there was a 15, 16, 17, 19 to nothing run. And what did Michigan do? They got frazzled. Hunter Dickinson started hoisting up three-pointers instead of uh, getting to the block like he should have. And I'm here to talk to you guys a little bit about coaching. You know, before I get into that, I'd like to look at the numbers a little bit. We've got a... Penn State squad that is, you know, if we're being kind, we can call them mid to good in the Big Ten, uh, a team that Michigan traditionally should be able to handle easily. But we allowed 54.4% from uh, the field, 43.3 from three. Those are very good shooting percentages. When you do that, it's very hard to win. Um, got out rebounded, out assisted, uh, not out blocked, but, but, you know, that is a little bit less of an important stat. And, uh, we let them steal the ball from us seven times. So, uh, we're going to take a look at, you know, really what's going on with, with this Michigan team. It's, it's a little bit dumbfounding and, and mind boggling to think about a squad that returned Hunter Dickinson, one of the best big guys in the country and then hit gold with Jet Howard. Jet Howard is an offensive masterpiece. I mean, he is just uh, smooth and effortless, and he, I mean, he makes difficult shots from behind the arc. He gets to the rim. When, when you got a guy like that in the front court, I'm sorry, in the back court, 
And then you got a guy like Hunter Dickinson in the front court. I mean, you really should be able to win most basketball games, right? As long as some of your role players are playing well. That's if you're a well-coached team and you're playing good team defense and you're rebounding and you're moving the ball on offense. That's not what's happening with this Michigan squad. Um, you know, it's hard as a Michigan fan to not compare the, the Jawan Howard teams to the John Beeline teams, right? John Beeline is, is what we, you know, it's our most recent memory of what a successful Michigan basketball team looks like. And one of the key differences that I'm seeing is, is on offense. Um, these Jawan teams, uh, next time you watch them, I, I mean, hopefully they correct this. So hopefully the next time you watch them, this doesn't happen. But, you know, he, he tends to lean a little bit more towards a, a pro style offense, which makes sense. Jawan Howard just spent, you know, 20 plus years as a player and coach in the league. And, and what you see is Hunter Dickinson hit the high post. Uh, you see whoever's playing point guard, usually Dougie, sometimes Kobe in the two spot, uh, working on a pick and roll. And really what you've got is three or four guys standing still on offense. Um, every time down the floor, you've got three or four guys standing still. They're not back cutting. They're not moving. There's no motion. And so what happens when a majority of your team on offense is standing still? Well, the defense, Penn State uh, in this case, Purdue earlier in the week, they get to rest, right? They get to rest. It's, it's not hard to defend a two-man offense. It's just not. And, and so everybody stays fresh. Well, we saw that against Purdue. We're see, we saw that with Penn State. And they keep their legs underneath them. And then in the second half, they pull away. Or in, in, in this case, uh, you know, late in the first half, they pull away. And then, you know, when, when uh, the Purdue game is a perfect example, right? Because you've got Matt Pant Painter, who is a beeline-esque successful Big Ten coach, he knows what he's doing. He's got the number one team in the country right now. And so when you watch that Michigan versus Purdue game earlier in the week, what you saw Purdue uh, do on offense was exactly what I'm talking about, right? They run, a, they run a motion offense where all five guys are moving at all times, and it gets very difficult to defend. And that's when you see Michigan's team defense break down and you see these guys get straight to the rim for an easy layup. We've been seeing that all season long. Uh, it started with, you know, Eastern Michigan. We were seeing guys get get uh, easy layups. And then in the Big Ten, of course, it's continuing to happen. Uh, and that all starts on the offensive side of the ball. Because, and typically I'm, I'm a defense starts, you know, helps the offense kind of guy. But uh, in this team, it's, it, it's so easy to tell that the offense is actually holding the defense back because uh, the, the opponents are, are, they're able to stay fresh. now. That's one, that's one key thing that's going on, and it's all coaching. I've been uh, a very big supporter of Jawan Howard. I am not on the, the fire Jawan train, but I'm starting, you know, I'm, I'm starting to listen to the people who are, right? I'm, I'm starting to say, you know, you guys, you guys are making some good points. Um, Jawan has had some early success. He had some, some talent left over and, and had, some, you know, we had Franz and Isaiah Livers, and then, of course, he brought in, you know, Musa Diabate and had Mike Smith as a transfer, and so he won some games. <clears throat> but now, when your starting point guard goes down with a, you know, a torn ACL, you, you, you've really got to really fall on some, some uh, reliable, quality coaching practices, 
And and what we're seeing from Jawan and his staff right now is really not that impressive. So you've got the lack of ball movement that I already referenced. Another thing that's just, I mean, it's elementary stuff, right? Like my middle school team was taught these things. Uh, don't stand and watch the, watch the ball on defense. You, you've got a shot going up and you see three or four guys, they just watch the ball. And then what happens? An offensive rebound. They're stuck playing defense. They're getting overworked. They're, they're, they're getting tired on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, defense is much harder to play than offense. And so you, you really don't want to spend extra possessions and extra minutes on the defensive side of the ball. But that's what's happening to Michigan because they're not blocking out. You, these, guys, these guys are watching shots. They're not blocking out. Uh, the opponents, you know, Purdue and Penn State, and, and then basically every team we played this year has gotten second chances. Um, and, and you just can't win that way. And then of course, on top of all that, uh, there's just really not very good communication and team defense, right? You, you don't see a lot of guys talking on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you see, you know, hands on, on knees and you see, you see guys that are winded because, because of those other, uh, you know, fundamentals that they're lacking and, and there's just not a lot of really good help side. And so, uh, the team defense is lacking. So when you've got an offense that's stagnant, you got guys that aren't blocking out, and then you've got terrible help side team defense. Uh, it's just a recipe for losing a lot of games and losing games to to teams like Penn State that might not even be more talented than you. So, okay, there's my little rant about what's going on with Jawan and and this Michigan team. And you know, I I have faith that they can turn it around. I I don't think that Jawan Howard is necessarily a bad coach. Um, but he is not in a very good stretch. And a lot of these things absolutely are coaching. And, and we wouldn't be offering a fair assessment of this team if we said it was all on the players. Because what we're seeing right now is actually not on the players. We're, you know, the only time Michigan goes on a run is when guys like Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin and Hunter Dickinson are making contested fallaway shots, right? And that, that can't be your game. That, 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 that is not a recipe for long-term success is these, these uh, miraculous fall-away contested shots. Uh, you've got to be able to get some motion on offense uh, to get to the bucket. So anyway, we saw, we saw Jet Howard on offense, and he looked. Sheesh. Once again, early on, he made a kajillion buckets in a row, um, scored a bunch. Uh, you know, Hunter Dickinson was – was, eh, you know, he was struggling early on, and, and, and Jet Howard was really all that we saw on the offensive side of the ball. But um, I'm going to encourage uh, people listening to this pod and people that are true Michigan basketball fans and really, really want to look at the game. I'm going to encourage people to look past Hunter Dickinson, Jet Howard, Kobe Bufkin, the, the obvious guys that are, you know, they play well. For the most part, especially on offense, they're pretty good. Um, but this team is missing, you know, the the Jordan Morgan, right? Like I always think of those teams that had like Hardaway and Burke and all these guys that but but everybody forgets that those those glue guys that do all the dirty work that rebound, block out, uh, play defense, dive for loose balls. Um, and what we're seeing from Jawan is he's got a couple of those guys. And he's not playing them. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of those guys happens to be 
his own son, right? And, and I'm not talking about Jet Howard. I'm talking about Jace Howard. When Jace is in the game, uh, he's a big presence. He absolutely will fight for loose balls. He's he's aggressive. Sometimes he fouls a little bit recklessly. He he's not a great shooter, and so I, he's it's not the sexiest style of basketball. But um, getting Jace in the game uh, with some of these other playmakers will help. Um, but even more so than Jace, a guy that only got four minutes against Penn State. That's right, four minutes is Will Cheddar. And every time Will Cheddar gets on the floor, what do we see from him? We see a positive plus minus. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, guys, is a plus minus means that we gain points on the other team when Will Cheddar's in the game. Uh, he takes some shots and makes some shots. He's not, the, he's not the most versatile offensive weapon known to man or anything like that, but he's good. I mean, the guy was a scorer in high school. He scored points. In high school, I think I, I think I heard he, he averaged like 30 plus points his junior or senior year in high school. So the dude can score. Uh, but what he does is the little things that we're talking about, right? He, he rebounds, he hustles, he blocks out, he does all the things that the team is not doing. And so if we're going to win games, uh, if we're going to make a run, you know, maybe, maybe in the Big Ten tournament to try to get into March Madness or at this point even make the NIT tournament, we're going to need Jace. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to need Will Cheddar, uh, to get some minutes and that's on Jawan and his coaching staff to, to figure that out, get guys in the game that are uh, positively affecting the game and, and, uh, you know, really just, just do their job as, as coaches. So I don't want to beat a dead horse. It's a little bit depressing for Michigan basketball right now. So let's, let's shift to Michigan football, uh, in some not so new news, uh, you know, news that's a couple weeks old now, Matt Weiss, our co-offensive coordinator on the football team and quarterback coach, uh, who has done a relatively good job. You know, he's back back to back Big Ten champs, and he, you know, he's he's uh, struggled at times, but his his units have played very well. Um, he was immediately suspended for a computer access crime. Is is how it was reported. Something to do in Bo, with Bo Schembechler Hall. There was a computer access crime. He got suspended. And some people didn't really know, you know, how bad it was going to be. Of course, you've got the Michigan State and Ohio State fans saying that, you know, I'm not even going to repeat some of what, what they were saying, but they were saying some of the worst of the worst. Uh, we don't know the details on that yet, but uh, I have a feeling that the guy wasn't just playing Mario Kart when he was supposed to be working. Uh, we're talking about something a little more serious than that. And the reason I know that is because he was fired, right? He and, and a university that typically will uh, back up their coaches and players in, in, in circumstances where they deserve to be backed up, um, Matt Weiss was let go. And so we know that what he was doing was probably not very good. Uh, and so then we start talking about who's going to be the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. Well, when we start looking at offensive coordinator, the obvious answer is Sharon Moore, right? Because he was the co-offensive coordinator. He might not be as well-versed in some of the passing offense stuff, but he, you know, he's an offensive line guy. He's a pass protection and run the ball guy, and he's the best in the country. Let, let's face it, his, his offensive line has won the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country two years in a row. Uh, making him 
you know, pretty much the undisputed best offensive line coach in the country. And so he has absolutely earned the right to be the singular offensive coordinator on this team. But earning the right is a little bit different than is this guy right for the job? And so there was some speculation that that Harbaugh may have reached out to Brian Greasy. There was some uh, other names floating around, Greg Roman. And, you know, there, you know, Michigan fans like to speculate. The media likes to speculate. So there, there were a lot of names that were being thrown around. And then <clears throat> we got our answer. At least on the we at least on the the quarterback coach piece of what Matt Weiss did, um, internal candidate Kurt Campbell was promoted from an uh, I believe he was an offensive analyst, but he was promoted to the quarterback coach uh, of Michigan. And you know, externally, we don't really know much about Kurt Campbell, and we don't we don't know uh, necessarily. Uh, what he's capable of because he ha- we haven't seen much of him. He, you know, his only other position as a quarterback coach was actually at Old Dominion, which happened to be in 2020, and Old Dominion's entire season got canceled, right? So he may, he may have done a lot of really good work, uh, but we don't know. We, we, just, we didn't really get to see it, but people inside the program love this guy. I mean, obviously, right, if you're going to jump to the quarterback coach, at Michigan, when you got a guy like JJ McCarthy, you've got a former quarterback, Jim Harbaugh, coaching the team. Um, this is not a well, let's just plug him in, you know, default mode kind of kind of decision. Uh, Michigan is was more than capable of going and getting an external candidate that made sense. What did they do? They promoted Kirk Campbell. So I believe that we may have found a diamond in the rough. Uh, more to be revealed, but but it seems that this hire. Uh, was a good one, and it kind of makes us think that Sharon Moore is probably going to be named as the singular offensive coordinator, uh, and then Kurt Campbell will probably control most of the passing game coordination and, and, and something similar to what we saw last year, which actually worked pretty well. In other football news, uh, Blake Corum, who announced recently that he will be returning for his senior season at Michigan and will probably win the Heisman Trophy, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, He had his gray and white camo Camaro, you heard me right, camo Camaro stolen, right? That was was the news that came out is is his Camaro got stolen. And, uh, you know, this couldn't happen to a, a better guy, right? Like, you know, we're talking about, you know, I, I just bought one of these Blake Corum sweaters that uh, him and Larry Prout Jr. If you, if you know who Larry Prout is, Larry, Larry Prout is just uh, an absolute warrior, just legend, Michigan fan. Uh, th- this young man is, has been through just hundreds of surgeries and, and uh, you know, a ton of health complications. And, and he came out with this clothing line with, with Blake Corum and and uh, it's really cool. The, the the proceeds go to the Mott Children's Hospital uh, to help kids that are battling all forms of illness and cancer and just just really horrific things. And so, you know, Corum's doing that, which is really good. We we've seen videos of him handing out turkeys, uh, you know, using his NIL money to hand out turkeys on Thanksgiving. And and he he just seems to be a genuinely good individual. He's a hard worker. He's a good role model for young people. And 
the dude's car got stolen, right? Like that just sucks. That's a terrible thing to happen. And uh, it actually came out that this, the original story that came out uh, what, and it was falsely reported. I'm not going to say the entity because I don't want to bash anybody, but um, it was falsely reported that uh, the car was bought with NIL money, right? And Cor- Corum actually came out and said, no, 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 this was not bought by, you know, at my, at my NIL money. Uh, my mom bought me this car with her hard-earned money when I graduated from high school as a gift for graduating from high school. So that just tugs at your heartstrings a little bit more. It's like, man, this is a gift from his mom and it got stolen. And you know, I posted something about this, and of course, there was a Michigan State fan that that uh, came out and said something like, "Oh, you know, it's great to be a criminal Wolverine. I'm sure he, I'm sure he uh, faked the the auto theft just for the insurance money." And and uh, you know, rule number one on Twitter, by the way, is do not engage with Michigan State fans. I mean, they're just they're just completely simple. Uh, I broke my own rule. I engaged with this guy a little bit and had some back and forth, but um, he he didn't really keep it classy, so I had to back out of that conversation. But I'm like, come on now. This you know, you, you, this guy handing out turkeys on Thanksgiving, you think he uh, committed insurance fraud when he's probably, the along with J.J. McCarthy, uh, one of the two most valuable NIL names on our team. Like, get a grip, get a grip. But anyway, uh, Sparty will be Sparty. So... We hope that Blake Corum gets his car back. He probably won't. If we're being realistic, it's probably you know in a chop shop, shop getting sold for parts. But um, I, I have a feeling that he will be able to afford a few more cars in his life. Um, let's move on to a little segment that I like to call "What's the Deal," right? And I, you know. My co-host that's with me sometimes, Matt Hartwell and I, we like to we like to just ask what's the deal about things every now and then. And for me, I you know I was I was leaning earlier in the week. I was leaning towards Terrace Reed's free throws. Right, like it's easy to ask what's the deal about that, but he didn't he didn't really get get to the line a whole lot in this game. And so uh, something that's really been sticking out to me is I want to say what's the deal with Former University of Michigan president Mark Schlissel never having a performance review with Ward Manuel, the current athletic director. And then furthermore, what's the deal with Ward Manuel reportedly uh, not speaking with Harbaugh for the last six to nine months? Um, We knew that Santa Ono, the current president, was the one that came out and made the announcement that Harbaugh would return next year. But we didn't quite know until recently when the story broke that um, Harbaugh and Ward Manuel, while they may have engaged in some small talk, right? They, we've seen them on the sidelines engaging in some small talk. Rumor has it that these two guys actually have been speaking through an intermediary and uh, have not really spoken to one another um, in six to nine months. And, and that's the head football coach. And the athletic director. What is the deal with that? Oh my God, I'm getting heated over here. Okay. Let's wrap the show up tonight today with, you know, a little bit of positive news, right? I feel like I feel like every Michigan fan could use a little bit of positivity going into uh, the week. 
This will come out Monday morning. We, a lot of us have to go to jobs that we don't really want to be at. And we're thinking about Michigan sports because that's our outlet. And all we have is these strained relationships and Blake Corum's stolen car and Harbaugh and Ward not talking. And then the Michigan basketball team underperforming once again. Well, you know, there's a little bit of good news. Michigan football has been hitting the recruiting trail very hard. Um, they're picking up momentum and they landed one guy that really interests me. Michigan landed 2024 defensive lineman, four-star Ted Hammond, and he's out of the state of Ohio, which always makes it a little bit more special. It's always, it's always fun to recruit a guy from Ohio. And I did what every self-respecting Michigan fan should do in the offseason. I started to go down the wormhole of his highlights, right? I was, wa- I was watching a little bit of Hammond highlights. And, uh, you know, this guy, he's pretty exciting. Uh, I, th- I think he might be a little undervalued um, by the national you know, media, recruiting media. He did uh, just recently earn uh, his fourth star on all major recruiting platforms, um, 247, Rivals, ESPN, On3. Uh, they've all got him as a four star, so they are respecting him. But he reminds me a little bit of a Mason Graham. Uh, you know, Mason Graham came out under recruited, undervalued, and we saw that he was just a gift from the football gods, as Harbaugh referred to him. Um, and he's only going to get better and better. Uh, I, I, I anticipate Mason Graham to have a fantastic sophomore kind of breakout year after his impressive freshman season. Well. This guy, Ted Hammond, uh, he may fall into a similar category. He's, he's big. He's athletic. I wouldn't necessarily consider him a, uh, you know, sideline to sideline, edge, you know, get out in space kind of guy. But he looked comfortable in space. He did. There, there, there were some highlights that I saw where he, he was able to set the edge and get out wide and make some plays. But. Uh, where he was most impressive was his his grit, his north and south ability to get to the quarterback. This guy, he he, it seems like he has a a real knack to get straight to the quarterback. I saw a lot of bull rush, one move, get north and south, get to the quarterback. Now, granted, this is high school, so sometimes guys uh, can keep it simple in high school, and those things don't necessarily work uh, when they get to the next level, but. Uh, do yourself a favor and look up some highlights of this guy. You guys, you guys will see what I mean. He he uh, strikes me as a very impressive and very capable uh, early impact kind of guy for Michigan. Um, and, and so, of course, he's not in the 2023 class, so he's not coming in this season. Uh, he'll be he'll be coming in next season. So uh, Michigan is basically D line. You now uh, will continue to reload at that position, and. Uh, you know, seeing as how he is from Ohio, I I wanted to take a look at the top 10 players in his class from the state of Ohio. And I saw something interesting. It's not, not necessarily out of the ordinary, but, you know, interesting and encouraging. Michigan has a significant presence uh, in that 2024 recruiting class when you look at the top 10 or 11 guys from Ohio. Now, Number one is, is a, uh, a cornerback, Bryce West, very talented guy, number one guy in the state. Um, it looks like he's probably headed to Ohio State, doesn't have a firm commitment. 
Number two, top tier tight end, uh, Galloway. He'll be going to LSU. But then the number three guy out of Ohio is, you guessed it, an edge, edge player, edge rusher. Uh, Brian Robinson, Brian Robinson out of Youngstown, Ohio. Um, he looks to be maybe one of the top 10 or so edge players in the country. So very, very talented guy. And currently, uh, Michigan looks like the leader. It looks like Michigan will likely land this guy. Um, moving on down the list, number four is, it, it, you know, there's really no, no telling where he's going. And then number five is an offensive tackle named Luke Hamilton. And I, I'll admit, I don't know much about Luke Hamilton, but guys, uh, look up on 247. Look at this guy's picture and just zoom in on the way that this dude looks. He is a uh, Midwest, hard-nosed, uh, you know, gritty, dirty offensive line uh, guy. You know, I'm, I'm just excited, uh, and, and we're stealing him out of the state of Ohio. So right there, there's, there's two out of the top five that will likely go to Michigan. And then uh, you roll down to Ted Hammond, who's ranked 10th in the state. Uh, he is a firm commitment to Michigan, as is Luke Hamilton, the offensive tackle. Uh, and then another offensive lineman, Ben uh, Roebuck, is the 11th best player in the country, and he looks like he's probably heading to Michigan. So um, as to be expected, Ohio State is the leader for many of these guys in the state of Ohio. But when you look at the top 11 players in the state of Ohio, uh, Michigan looks like they're going to land four of those guys. And so uh, being able to recruit in that state is always big because, of course, that's our number one rival. We want to be able to steal guys away from them. And uh, there's no better way to do that than to be back-to-back -back Big Ten champs and have back-to-back -back victories over Ohio State. So that about does it for this week. Uh, there's really, you know, it's the offseason. Michigan basketball struggling, so there's really not a lot going on. But you guys do me a favor. If you've gotten this late in the episode, uh, and do yourself a favor. Uh, if you've gotten to this point in the episode, then you obviously love Michigan football and basketball. You're obviously a Michigan man or woman. Uh, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Subscribe to the Big House Bleachers podcast. Um, I, I'm sure you enjoyed listening to me rant for 30 minutes, but not every show is like this. We do some really cool stuff. We have guests on the show, um, like we did last week with Stuart Douglas. We have former players. I like to get uh, other media outlets involved, other fans involved. We 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 really take a deep dive and and try to you know we're all just fans at heart, and we're and on the Big House Bleachers podcast, we're always looking at ways to creatively and enthusiastically talk about. Michigan sports. And so definitely subscribe so you don't miss um, any anything coming up. Uh, anytime an episode drops, which is usually every week, uh, you'll be the first to know your phone on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts will, will notify you that there's a new episode. And then, of course, that helps us as well. You know, if, if you, you help us boost the algorithm, we move up in the rankings a little bit and then it allows us to do cooler things for you guys on the show so uh that's my little pitch at the end of the show to definitely subscribe um but thank you guys so much for listening uh i've got some really cool guests i, I don't want to throw any spoilers out there but i'm working on some really cool guests here uh later this month 
uh, actually next month in February. And uh, so I can't wait to unveil uh, some of the people that we will have on the show. So that is it for this week of the Big House Bleachers podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. You can follow me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. Of course, I have my website, wolverinechronicle.com, or you can just Google Wolverine Chronicle or the Big House Bleachers podcast. You'll find the YouTube channel, the website, all the social and that kind of stuff. Um, As always, go blue.